Welcome back to another episode of the Sheepdogs Podcast. Okay. <laughs> episode 21, and if you hear a new voice, it's because we got a special guest here in the studio with us today. Mm. Johnny Ambrose Kiernan. Johnny, welcome Thank to the Thank you, Johnny. Welcome, it is a pleasure. Mm. Father, Michael, just being with the bros, mm. what a glorious day. Great mm. to have you back in Miami. Yeah it's, yeah, it's good to be back. My heart's always been in Miami. Just don't tell uh, those Bearcats, but oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. But I did hear something about a turtle. We can talk maybe a little bit about that later. <laughs> I think there was an injustice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you guys you are quiet. Mm. There, there is a, there is a uh, heated debate between UC and Miami, but we all know who, who's the one with the podcast, who's the one without, I mean. And who's the one there. with the turtle? Because that would be us. I took it easily, and they haven't been able to take it back. So what yeah. does that say about that? I forget what the ninth commandment is. Something about coveting your neighbor's wife. Aren't and you the a tenth one was about anything that belongs to your neighbor. But who, what, what do I know? I mean, you're just a, you're just a religion teacher, right? That's, wow, that's yeah. actually a good point. They yeah. call me Mr. K. Yeah, oh, on Calhoun Street. There we go. Yeah, wow. but I get that little Bostonian accent, Mr. K. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Michael. Try, try, try that, Mr. K. Mr. K. Okay, okay. How about you, Johnny? Get some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Father? I can't do it. No, okay. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Johnny, he, we were at our friend Allie's house, and there was this guy with a man bun, and then the guy next to him was wearing a poncho of, like, Juan Diego with, like, Our Lady of Guadalupe on it. And I'm like, these guys are, like, next-level <laughs> energy. I've never seen it before. And ever since that day, I've been friends with Johnny. So I'm so excited to have him here. And we're going to get into why, uh, what life is like after college. Johnny, I joke that he's, like, 35 because he hangs out with college kids, but he's really, like, what, 24? 24, yeah. 24. <laughs> so he's that perfect, like, age after college. And a lot of us listeners are college students. And so what, what that kind of looks like. So... But before we get started, Father Jacob, could you lead us in a, in a prayer? Yeah, let's do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day today. We thank you for dying upon the cross for us. On a Friday, we ask you to be present to us. We ask you to give Johnny your words, Lord, and that we can continually be inspired by what, Lord, you want to speak to our heart this day. Uh, we ask Mother Mary to continually guide us, and we ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome back. Yeah, so Johnny, first question for you. Mm. Uh, why do you always wa- rock a man bun? That's actually a great question. Um, I'm so glad you asked that. So have you guys watched The Last Kingdom on Netflix? Oh, 100%. Season 5 just came out. Yeah. Um, and actually, I hope my brother doesn't listen to this because uh, in a week, we're flying to Orlando to visit my grandparents who also watched The Last Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my older brother are surprising him for his 21st birthday two days after Easter. And wow. we're going to be watching Season 5 of The Last Kingdom. But the inspiration for this specific do, where the sides are cut, and then you keep the hair long on top is because of Uhtred, son of Uhtred of Bebenberg. He's the main character in The Last Kingdom. And my mom was like, she was, my mom's a hairdresser, she teaches. 
at a uh, well this was back two years ago when I got the haircut she teach she was like hey Johnny come on in I'll give you the Utrid haircut and I'm just mm-hmm. like well it's a free haircut I love being a model for my mama <laughs> so I came in she shaved the sides it's been like that for now two years so the inspiration was Utrid of Bevenberg from The Last Kingdom <laughs> go watch it on Netflix that's wow. a quick plug wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Utrid so for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to call you Utrid. So, Utrid... I respond to that. Okay, great. So, Utrid, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? You went to a public university as well, like us, and, like, where are you now? What do you do? And, yeah, a little background there. Sure. So, I was raised in good old Bedford, New Hampshire. Uh, Shire, baby. That's what I tell people, the Shire. Uh, I'm also a big Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, my sister went to Troy University in Alabama. She got a full ride uh, room and board scholarship um, and she's six years older than me so I knew that there were scholarship opportunities um, and so I ended up going to Troy following in my sister's footsteps had a great undergrad at Troy um, and it nearing so going into my senior year there were a lot of changes I actually changed my major because I worked with uh, the opioid, opioid epidemic in New Hampshire for the summer going into my senior year and I knew mm. maybe I wanted to go into substance abuse counseling after that so I changed it from just being business and leadership minor to an interdisciplinary study so I got to study psychology so a lot of changes were happening but I knew right out of college I wanted to serve wasn't sure if it was gonna be with focus um, and you know that's probably what a lot of college students are just you know focus just has such a great presence on a lot of universities it's like oh if I want to serve I'll just become a focus missionary but I knew that focus wasn't my route mm. kind of felt that my junior year even though people always joke like Johnny you missed out on your calling you know to be a focus missionary mm. um, but I did want to serve and so there was an organization called Seton Education Partners and they have a fellowship called the Seton um, Teaching Fellows based out of the Bronx that I was interested in, uh, discerned into it. And um, yeah, my, my discernment uh, through that is really crazy because I asked for more time because I didn't hear an answer from the Lord. And then um, and in a 40-minute conversation with my father going over the pros and cons, on the day I had to give an answer, I just felt uh, the Holy Spirit come over me. Mm. I was bawling like a baby. And my dad was talking over the phone. He was like, uh, you know, I, he was talking. I was like, Dad, Dad, like I know what I need to do. I'm going to say yes. So I said yes mm. to go into the Bronx, becoming a CN, uh, teaching fellow. And then four months later, they called me up and they said, hey, there's this place in uh, Cincinnati called Price Hill. Uh, and we're opening up a new school. Do you want to be a part of that founding team to go to Price Hill, Cincinnati? And I said, I would love to pray on it. Hang up the phone, get a similar spirit of peace that comes over me. Discerned for a week or two with my parents, said yes. So that's how I ended up in the Cincinnati area. Um, originally from New Hampshire, then I went to college in Alabama, now I'm in Cincinnati, and now this is my second year in Cincinnati, I'm the Director of Catholic Identity, as you'll probably get into, um, at a school called Coryville Catholic, Mm -hmm. Um, right where UC is, Bearcat Mm -hmm. Nation, in the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's how I, I guess, I forget what the original question was. Oh yeah, tell us about yourself, so that's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, (laughs) thank you, thank you. Did you ever think you'd be in Cincinnati? Absolutely not. You know, it wasn't, I mean, I thought that I was going to the Bronx, hmm. you know, and then, um, yeah, the the opportunity to be a part of a founding school, which was probably the coolest experience ever, hmm. because it was a K through eight, dropped three grades, starting kind of from scratch, and uh, I got to teach theology to first and second graders last year, hmm. and then I was the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth grade specials teacher. So I was hmm. the music teacher, the dance teacher, mainly gym, 
do a little bit of art. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Ross was my best friend. Just mm -hmm. made some Bob Ross videos because I'm not really an art teacher, but I got to teach. Yeah, I got to teach. Uh, yeah, gym and and I just realized that that was definitely part of my natural gifts was to kind of be like a gym teacher. But I did get to teach theology too, which is what I signed up to do. Mm. Mm. Nice, it's awesome. You've been all you know across the country, going from the East Coast down to the the dirty South, and now to the mm. perfect like the Midwest. Uh, the, the one best we call place. perfect. It's a great place. I'll use the word perfect. You, you use the word great place. Okay, okay. so potato now tomato you're in the Midwest. Um, but could you talk a little bit about the students there? Because you know it's a calling to you know move it. Uh, you know your life to you know Cincinnati to like serve these children. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk about them a little bit? I'm sure the listeners would love to hear. About yeah. Jin. Um, so. I teach at uh, two different schools. So last year I was at Romero Academy at Resurrection. Now I'm at Coryville Catholic. So I'll talk about my students this year. Um, quite, uh, quite the uh, student base. Uh, go Cougars! First off, uh, I do morning announcements, and I always say "Good morning, Coryville Cougars," and I do this. And my seventh grade girls just have been giving me the hardest time for the past six months. They're like, Mr. K, that's pathetic. You should stop. <laughs> and my second graders are, you know, all for it. So I get the wide picture. But, oh, my gosh, Coryville, it's such a uh, – so it's a, it's a legacy school. So a lot of parents either went there um, or grandparents of kids went there. Um, it's a great school. I teach uh, first, second, third, fifth, and seventh grade theology. Um, the uh, population is African American, except for a few kids, so 99% uh, black, which is really cool um, because uh, black people have such character, uh, especially my kiddos. God bless, they keep me on my, my feet. Um, but that's been such a grace to be able to be immersed in. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, a different culture, you know, and just to be able to be myself. You know, and I, I love to talk about uh, my eighth grade boys basketball team. But there are moments, you know, where, when we would be playing an inner city team where when they're talking, I just didn't understand some of the things that they were saying, you know. And instead of feeling like, I don't know, like an outsider or just kind of like off, just like, Lord, uh, this is interesting and it's cool. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. But it was definitely like moments of the unknown or moments of discomfort. Um, but the Lord has shown himself to be so good through it all because I've been so well received by my kids, by their families. And like I said, it is an incredible population to be able to teach and to serve and to build up because they're God's favorite. You know, they're God's favorites. Mm. Um, and that's something that he's revealed to me is, you know, these are the people I love because I sent you here. Um, mm. And so that's been a, that, that's just been a huge grace to be able to serve them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thanks so much for your willingness to just be that missionary to come here to follow the Lord, especially, you know, sometimes we anticipate things are going to happen in our lives, you know, like going to the Bronx or whatever and working there. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, just being sent on this to like, where's Cincinnati or whatever. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just giving that yes to the Lord. And certainly we see, we've experienced, John and I and Michael, just your joy and all that. But also, yeah, coming to, you know, I'm from Cincinnati. So just like having someone like you come in and be there with you know like i'm basically from price hill almost like you know nearby but um yeah it's a great blessing to have missionaries come in and uh yeah especially someone like joy and just the friends that we've experienced at fight nights and all those things so uh it's really appreciate that i think it's a great witness for everyone listening to just realize like sometimes 
you think we think we have this idea of what's going to work out with our job or with our life or whatever and then it could change pretty rapidly but I realize it's such an adventure right and you just obviously just jumped and stayed on that bronco you know with the lord like okay where else are we going you come know on, so <laughs> you just got to learn to ride the wave and i have a, i know i know a story i, I want you to tell it because about a few was a few weeks into your you were stationed at romero something crazy happened to you oh my and goodness. yeah can you tell us about that yeah um but yeah father just to yeah i it's funny because you, you talk about riding a wave and i'm just the type of person that just rides a wave you know and mm-hmm. sometimes to a fault um and maybe uh at needing to ask the lord a little more you know lord what do you want mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like riding it which is definitely in this season of life i feel like i'm trying to get into the rhythm or routine of um but yeah if if, if we don't know how to listen to the father's voice then we're never going to know what to do mm. and we're never going to have confidence in that right so first and foremost um yeah, just always trying to grow in my receptivity mm-hmm. to God's voice and His grace. And I want to say I've made progress the past two years since college, but it's like a daily thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And like just before the podcast listeners, uh, Father Willick was like, let's go pray in front of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And like that's just such a good habit to get into, to like be receptive to what the Lord wants to say, what the Lord wants to do. And we can forget mm-hmm. that way too often. Um, yeah, but to jump into this story, this was my first... Uh, it was September September 4th of 20, 2020, and uh, I guess I'll run through the whole story. I'll try to keep it under like a minute or two, but uh, I, me and my community, so I live with three other guys who are also missionary teachers at Romero Academy, and we were a part of a uh, volleyball team, uh, intramurals, at, at game time. Um, it was awesome. Just got to play with a few of the teachers at, at Romero, and I shared a room with... Uh, my uh, fellow teacher, a missionary teacher, and after the game, he said, Johnny, if you don't take a shower, because, you know, we were super sandy, he was like, if you don't take a shower, you're not sleeping in the room. And I was like, that totally makes sense, you know, I don't want to track in the sand. But I was so exhausted um, that I ended up sleeping downstairs in our dining room, and I fell asleep on the recliner watching Larry Bird highlights, because, you know, the <laughs> Celtics and Larry Bird are just the best. <laughs> and I woke I, I woke up at, like, I don't know, like 1, 1.30, and our AC filter was clogged, so the only relief that I could get was on the hardwood floor. <laughs> and so my, uh, my other roommate, he lived on the first floor, he comes out, and like, I don't know, it was like, like I said, one thirty in the morning and we share a slice of pizza, um, have like a conversation or two, like half asleep, half awake, fall asleep on the ground. <laughs> and then this was probably like another 40 minutes later. I just hear pitter patters going across the kitchen, uh, the kitchen room floor. And I'm like, uh, that, that could be Corey, my first floor roommate. And so I get up, I'm like, Corey, and I turn the corner. It wasn't Corey, but the lights were on. Um, and so I walk out to the side door and I see there are two kids in my car, two kids trying to break into my roommate's car. And that's all I could see. It was all just kind of very blurry. Like I said, I was more asleep than awake in this moment. And uh, they'd already gotten into my car. My roommate's alarm starts to go off. And instinctually, I just start to scream. I'm like, hey, hey. And I run and I get right behind my car. They put it in reverse. They start driving down for a good 30, 40 feet down my super steep uh, driveway. It's like, you know, and as you guys know, in Cincinnati, it's full of bluffs and full of street. Especially Price Hill, yeah. Yeah. And so thank God that my driveway wasn't like a quick get out. But my roommate's car was first. I was second. Or sorry. So my 
car was closest to get out, but I didn't back in, I pulled up. And so they had to try to reverse out of the super steep driveway. And here I am in the back of my car, pushing up against it, <laughs> screaming. And I freaked these kids out so much that they both, the person in the driver's seat and the passenger seat, jumped out of the car as the car is still moving down the driveway. Both doors are still open. The car crashes into the side of the house and they take off and I, I didn't care about catching them. I just cared about my car that I worked all summer to buy, you know? And I put it in drive, bring it up. Um, they also tried to steal um, our laptops. Um, and so moral of the story was nothing was stolen, um, praise God. But that was like, as a community, our first experience in Price Hill, Cincinnati. Uh, two blocks away is like, the hub for prostitution, gambling. Every single day I would drive by, there were about five or six young men that were just rolling dice. Yeah, you saw you saw prostitutes right at that corner store, and so that was the mission. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Block Ministries. They're um, yeah. an ecumenical ministry in Price Hill that just does such, so much good, but two blocks away from where our house is, one side is their after-school program of the street, and the other side is the corner store where every <laughs> corrupt way could be going down mm. and so i had a moment where i was just realizing these kids literally have two choices in front of them like one choice that will lead to like goodness and freedom and a life abundant and the other choice that will just lead to brokenness and suffering um and uh it was just so apparent so there's just so much good happening in price hill but price hill was not uh you know because my, my grandmother was like, thank God you're not going to the Bronx. And uh, I, I still have not told her this story. So I hope that uh, she wow. doesn't listen to this either. But yeah, that was like a, uh, that was kind of a, a rude awakening of you got to lock your doors, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then we got security cameras in and all that jazz. But um, yeah, that was definitely like, that was an indicator for me. This is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And talking to my mom and my mom's boyfriend, you know, they're like, get out of Cincinnati. And I, you know, I was trying to be honest, like, there's absolutely no way. This is just a confirmation that like, because we looked at the security uh, footage because we're right next to Romero Academy. Mm -hmm. And it was an eight to 10 year old, three boys that were between 14 and 17 years old. And then the fifth one was like a 22, maybe like 25, like young adult our mm -hmm. age. And so like when I saw them, I was just like, they know nothing better. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. just kids. Mm -hmm. So that was a big testament to the work that we're putting in now to educate. The, the kids in this neighborhood will pay off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's just mission that's needed in yeah. Cincinnati. M mission, mission needed anywhere. But for me, I was like, this is why God has called us here. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a run. It was like, no, stay. Mm. Well. And uh, that was the only burglar you had, right? That I can remember. But you know okay. me, Johnny. I have so many concussions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, and I know I went to a, a bowling outing with your whole Corville Catholic High School teachers, and they all they all love you. It's, and uh, it's it's clear that you're doing, like, amazing. You were doing amazing work at Romero and now at Corville. And, yeah, can you just talk about maybe just some of the joys and sorrows of trying to follow God's will in your life and of the past two years, uh, what, what that, that's been like for you? That's a great question. Um, trying to follow God's will in my life. Well, um, 
I get very attached to the communities that I'm a part of. And this is a conversation we have all the time is like, you're in a community, you don't necessarily know how long it will last, but you're thankful in the moment for it. And you try to live it up as much as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for use, for lack of a use of a better term, YOLO, like you only live this moment once. You're only in this community for as long as God allows you. So at Romero, I was just so attached. Um, the kids, the families, um, they offered me an operations position to stay. Um, and so I thought that I was going to say yes to that. Um, and then Father Ethan Moore and Bearcat Nation told me about Coryville Catholic and everything they're trying to do there to start up with Catholic identity because COVID's been weird, but they, they really haven't had a strong Catholic identity. And so they created this new position, Director of Catholic Identity told me right actually at this time last year um, I was actually in Maine uh, over Easter break and he calls me up and he shares with me the vision for Coryville Catholic um, that it's just an incredible population of kids that um, haven't been catechized um, well at least and um, he yeah he shared with me the the mission and, and some of the other cool things that may be on the horizon and so that gave me so to discern something you need to have you know, at least two things to consider. You can't just, you know, say, well, this is my only option, so I guess I'm discerning into this, you know. <laughs> right. You need to have a choice. So I definitely had the choice of staying at Romero as an operations manager or going to Coryville Catholic and being the director of Catholic Identity and teaching theology, which is the only thing I wanted to do. Uh, I'd love to be in a gym teacher, but um, it just doesn't compare with just teaching kids the love of God, mm. their father. So discerned into going to Coryville Catholic and uh, I guess I'll just share a couple of the joys. Yeah. Um, first off, at Romero, the administration was unbelievable. You talk about the two greatest men that I could ever have as just servant leader role models in my life. The way that they loved, the way that they served, uh, the wisdom that just embodied them. Uh, shout out to Tom Lawhead and John Lane. Yeah, you're going to um, get a raise. Come yeah. on. <laughs> they, they're, they're at Romero, unfortunately. Oh, former, so. former bosses. Former That's bosses, right. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now to talk about my current boss, Lauren Clements, just, just incredible. Incredible human beings that have taught me so much about yeah, how to lead and it, it's not even just the faculty and staff, but I mean, it's the students, it's interacting with families. It's, yeah, setting the precedent, you know, truly loving the way that Christ would have loved, um, while also just being extremely intelligent um, and having to make really difficult decisions. So that's been a huge joy for me to be able to witness the way that they have led. So last year in prayer, Probably the thing that wrecked me the most was the Lord revealing to me that in the same way I see my kids that I teach, He sees me. Which, I mean, shattered my reality. Because at Johnny and Michael, I, I don't have kids of my own. Um, but I refer to the kids I teach as my kiddos. I love them so much, right? And the way in which my first graders would try and maybe fail, or the way that they would play and maybe make a mistake, or, I mean, any, any interaction I would see, you know, the Lord revealed to me, you know, in the same way you look at them, you know, I see you. And that, when I first, when that was first revealed to me, that made no sense. Because I tend to, like, see God in this, you know, distorted manner, you know. 
and uh, he just he loves us so well as his kids in the same way that I could never be um, I'm only I was only angry at my kids because I wanted them to be better but I was never like I never hated who they were because they were just pure goodness you know and if that's the way that the Lord sees me then God bless we have an incredible father in heaven you know Um, So that was probably my greatest joy, was to be able to witness the goodness of my kids and then for the Lord to speak that over me. This is actually the way I see you. Mm. Um, This year, I would say my greatest joy was coaching my eighth grade boys basketball team. Uh, I'll never forget, uh, we had such a promising regular season. We went 9-1. I'll never forget that one loss we had at the regular season. The boys were torn up. So I said, fine, let's, let's, let's double practice this week. You know, and I let them all go around. They all kind of said what went well, what didn't go well, how they made mistakes, how the team made mistakes. And it was such an incredible practice. Next game, they're playing against this inner city team that's not bad, but they ransacked them. It was 30 to 2. Mm. It was 30 to 2. This was like still in the first half it was it was just insane so it was really cool to be able to coach them to grow as an inv- i'd never coached before this was my first coaching experience and uh unfortunately in the quarterfinals we lost in overtime but i'm so thankful for that loss because it was an opportunity for me to tell my boys you know uh first off there are going to be a lot of sorrows and losses in life it's how you bounce back but there were things that the lord gave me to say to them that I would not have been able to say if they had won. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, two out of the seven uh, boys on my basketball team uh, had a dad that showed up at some point during one of the games, out of the 11 games we played, two. That's 29%. That's pathetic, right? Um, not to cast a judgment, but like if I was a father, God bless you know that I would want to be at my son's basketball game. And it was an opportunity for me to speak into uh, my boys' uh, situation of just losing in the quarterfinals in such a season that had been building up for nine years ever since they met each other in kindergarten. They probably dreamed about winning in their eighth grade year of the championship, you know? And Mm -hmm. so for me to be able to look at my boys as they have tears streaming down their face and saying, I'm so proud of you. God bless, I love you. You know, <laughs> and that was probably the greatest moment that I had uh, was just to be able to speak truth into a situation that was very dark for them at the time. Mm. You know, dude, that's like, like, this is not to like put boost your ego here, Johnny. But but that I, I think that's really what the world needs is just like heroes like that. And uh, like Father Ethan, uh, he said once, like, where God's calling you in your vocation is where He wants you to be a hero in someone's life and i think there's a lot of even movies about like boys going from boyhood to manhood and there's a hero in there that is there at the perfect moment that is able to speak truth into someone's life and you were able to be that for those guys and that is so cool to be able to see like someone actually saying yes to god's will and like how god is using him in such radical ways to impact the guys and the boys in his life that's And, and Johnny, just to like, yeah, just to humble myself in, in the sense that like, I stink at coaching basketball. <laughs> like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm more of a soccer guy, you know? And like, to be a first year coach, there are a lot of reasons why I could have said no, but 
God blessed me with just having a head coach that was able to run subs and know the actual like <laughs> scope of the game where I could work with the boys one-on-one and there, I mean, inadequacies try to fill us all the time, mm. you know? Yeah. You, you can't do that, you know, or you can't really make an impact on their lives. And I mean, 99% of the battle is just showing up, mm. you know? Um, and so in, in that moment, you know, where I got to pour into them, they've, they've also just been pouring into me all year long. You know, and so in the same way that maybe I get to be, you know, the one that is affirming them in a pivotal moment, they've also been an incredible part of my um, my journey as a man. Like, what does it mean to be a man? And they, they, you know, I was, you know, they were my test run. You know, can I do? You know, so of course I wasn't the best coach, um, and I, you know, when when I had to be the head coach, when Jonathan, the head coach, Jonathan Brooks, wasn't there, I had to take over. And God bless, like I said, you know, sometimes I didn't know what I was doing, but it didn't matter because I showed up, <laughs> and the boys at least knew. Well, Coach K, you know, <laughs> one of my kids, uh, you know, during uh, our regular season loss. Uh, you know, he was on the bench and he was like, you're a terrible coach. That's, that's, I'm not actually not going to call him out, but he, I love this specific player so much. He's like a little brother to me. And, uh, it was just like really raw. And after the game, I was like, you know, uh, I said his name, you know, I'll just call him Bob. Uh, you know, Bob, if you really, you know, have a problem with the way I coach, you can talk to me. And he was like, ah, no coach K I was just frustrated. You know, I, I didn't mean it. You know, and it was just like I don't know, a good opportunity. I was like, well, if there if there is ever anything, like let me know because I need it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, he he maybe said something he didn't mean, but I do think there was a little truth to that. <laughs> um, but it's as much as I've been able to give to them, the Lord has provided them to be able to give to me in a way that I don't necessarily see it as me giving to them. I see it as like a giving and receiving that's reciprocated so beautifully. Mm. It's not a sacrifice. It's wow. a joy, you know. And and I guess your question was fullness of joy and sorrow. Mm-hmm. In that moment was the fullness of joy and the fullness of sorrow. You know, just depending on the way you look at it. Mm. In the same way we call Good Friday Good Friday. Well, why do we call it Good Friday? Because it's the fullness of joy of our salvation, but it's the fullness of sorrow of Jesus dying for us, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. So in, in those moments where we ask ourselves, you know, What's the fullness of joy, or you know, what are the moments of joy and the moments of sorrow? Usually, if you look at it just from a different perspective, you can answer the same question two different ways. Mm. Right on, man. Wow. I think that says a lot about the fullness of the Christian life. I love you just tapping into that. You know, Good Friday, and yeah, that is the goodest day. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so tell us about. yeah, maybe something you, you learned uh, just from, I don't know, maybe you don't get to work with Father Ethan that much, but uh, just a good friend of mine. And I knew you lived with the guys for a while, just living with the priests and the, the rectory. Uh, maybe just some fun times or anything you learned from them or, yeah, anything there? Well, I could get into stories, but I, I just want to actually testify on my brother-in-law's behalf. Uh my brother-in-law started dating my sister when he was in seventh grade Mm. and he just visited with my sister three four weeks ago and for the first time ever he met a priest that was personable fun outgoing kind wild at -hmm. heart Mm -hmm. and that i i I truly believe really had a an incredible impact on him Mm -hmm. you know where he was like we need more priests like father ethan right you know and and if you know you listeners you know, if you've never met Father Ethan, 
you know, I, I pray to God that you come to Cincinnati and just shake the man's hand, and he'll probably embrace you with a bear hug, and if you're a man, he'll probably tackle you, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's just, uh, just, just such a uh, raw human, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I got to live with him. Uh, he has some, yeah, just, I mean, crazy stories together. Um, he has a, a, an eating uh, disorder where he eats, he sleep eats. Um, I'm not sure if you would call that an eating disorder, but I certainly would as his roommate because there would just be food missing in the refrigerator. Uh, one specific time I was like, hey, because uh, I lived with Father Como too, and Father Como just wouldn't take food from the fridge that wasn't his. Um, but, you know, Father Ethan, ah, there's a possibility. So I asked Father Ethan about it. He was like, oh, no, that wasn't me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, then he reflects that day, and he was like, oh, my goodness. I think I remember vaguely at like 1.32 a.m., going down to the fridge and, and I, don't, I forget what it was it wasn't very important but I was just like yeah father you, you, I mean you, you, you gotta lock up the, the, the good food mm-hmm. you know or, or have a private fridge in your own room because god bless father Ethan <laughs> sleepwalk sleepy no so I mean father Ethan um, I, I've gotten to know him pretty well uh, decently well over the past like year and a half or whatever and it started off like me and Johnny where he was just helping me and Johnny do some things here and then you know randomly one day he just goes, hey, like, do you want to come to my birthday party? <laughs> and, like, I had known him for, like, a day and a half at that point. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely, you know, the first priest that I've ever met um, that throws a birthday party with hundreds of people. And they end up picking him up on a chair and dancing him around the room. Uh, he's truly a one-of-a-kind human being. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about Father Ethan. Well, and, uh, yeah, if I could just, God bless Michael. Like, that birthday party was incredible. That was his 36th. 36. We just had his 37th birthday. It was in this, like, hole-in-the-wall cowboy uh restaurant slash yeah there was like a live band playing and there were like a lot of 50 60 year olds that were just chilling and then you see bear cats along with some red hawks uh that just partied it up like it was the rodeo of a lifetime and that's just a testament to who father ethan is but i mean i got i gotta be honest with you guys as fun of a man as father ethan is um he is so intentional um out of the blue, this was three weeks ago, he said, hey, Johnny, do you want to just get dinner and talk about the Coryville mission? And I was like, absolutely. And um, here we're talking at Dewey's Pizza, great pizza, by the way. He treated because he's such a good priest. Um, not to say that, you know, if, if, if you go out with him, you know, his, his pockets may run dry. Um, but he treated me and um, just talking about my vocation, that was my one prayer going into this year, um, was, Lord, please reveal your vocation to me. And in my prayer life, he was just realizing, no, we're going to choose this together. I'm going to reveal it to you, but you're going to choose it with me. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to be co-choosers in your vocation. <laughs> He's so good. Um, so here I am, you know, across the uh, dinner table at Dewey's with Father and just kind of sharing with him just my deep desires um, to become a priest um, and in just a way that, like, I've never actually pursued that vocation. And he said just words that I'll never forget. He said... Um, if the Lord calls, you go. And it was in that moment when I was just like, like, what am I doing? Like, I live such a great life in Cincinnati, great community, uh, a great girlfriend. Uh, shout out to Joanna. She's, she was just incredible. Uh, great mission. Um, but it was in that moment when I realized I need to change direction. And so the next day, uh, I broke up uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, two days after that, I had a talk with 
my principal saying, hey, I may not be back to Coryville next year because I believe that God may be calling me to enter the seminary. And so if it wasn't for Father Ethan being intentional, and, you know, conversation was supposed to be about Coryville. The conversation just looped back, back around to me, you know, and Johnny, how are you? And that's just when I, you know, in, in, in those vulnerable conversations, those intentional conversations is when a lot of life can be blossomed. And Father Ethan is, oh, praise the Lord for Father Ethan and that gift that he allows Jesus to work in because he's, he's changing my life. You know, that moment is changing my life right now because, you know, uh, thanks be to God, I may be entering the seminary in the Diocese of Manchester, New Hampshire in the fall. Um, you know, because uh, Father Ethan was intentional enough to be able to, you know, speak truth. Mm. That's great, too. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks for your uh, yes to the Lord, just again, being bold yourself. But I think it's cool, too, also to think about the effect that you're having on these guys, you know, on your basketball team. You know, these guys you're investing, uh, you know, boys and girls at your school. They're going to look back, hopefully, and have these kind of same things for you, right, as a spiritual father who's uh, crazy in such a good way, but also one who's, like, investing in them so heavily. And so just be encouraged, too, because I'm sure you're doing that for so many students. You get to do that every day. You love telling them about Jesus, which is so good, just being ridiculous in a good way that we love. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from them someday, maybe about Johnny K and his Mm. stories, or, like, maybe when you're a priest or wherever you're called. uh, Yeah, because it's just great to have uh, your witness, your service. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for that. Thanks, Father Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember my seventh grade track year, I had this, like, assistant coach who was a college guy at the time. And I remember, like, I, I, I was, like, the slow kid. Like, I was the kid in, like, last place. and But he, like, stuck with me. And, and he, he, like, stayed with me. And, and I remember we were doing a mile run, so, like, four laps around the track. Two laps in, he, he says to me, hey, hey, Johnny, so this is where... This is where most people, you know, they start to give in a little bit and they start to quit. And I need you to promise me that you will never quit. Whoa. You'll never quit halfway through a race. And I said, all right, Mitch, I will never quit. <laughs> wow. I'm like, why is this guy talking on. to me? I'm in the last <laughs> place, you know? But, like, I will never forget, like, a young guy, Mitch. It wasn't, like, my 50-year-old coaches. It was Mitch that was there that I remembered what he said for the rest of my life. And it sounds super cheesy. But, like, that's such a time where kids are, like, in this place where they need people, they need people to lead them and to show them what life abundant is, you know? And I know yeah. there's gonna be so many moments for your guys, your boys that are just like, yeah, I remember when, when Johnny K told me this when I was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and that put my life in a, in a different direction, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I think it's just a good reminder too, of just even if we don't work in a school yet, or just the witness that our own life has and the things we say, you know, whether it's with our roommates or yeah. with our younger sibling, yeah. brother, sister, you know, just to be intentional. Father Ethan is so good about that. You know, what are, what are we speaking about and all that? Um, but I think it is a good reminder of that. You know, we have an impact just the way we live our lives, but also the things we speak about, the things we encourage, but especially challenge people to do when we really love them, can have a true effect. If it comes from that heart of love, if it comes from that heart of wanting them to do better, uh, and you're behind them, like pushing them or helping them forward, uh, that it, yeah, we're called to do that, especially as men, right? To be leaders in that, to help form those whether they're older than us even at times or same age or whatever but i think there's always room for that in life uh we're just called to be brothers in arms at times uh or yeah fathers to those who are younger to us um, but let's challenge everyone out there you had to think about that who can they invest in at this time doesn't have to be everybody it doesn't have to be change the whole team but like who's the one or two people who look up to me or people i'm living with or whatever that 
I'm called to help grow in this life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And if I could just call you out, Johnny. Johnny, you do such a great job at speaking truth, especially, I mean, you're, you're pretty much a prophet to anyone, I, I, I would like to say. But <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> for me, uh, the truth that you've been able to, because, Johnny, you're just a raw brother. Um, same thing with you, Michael, and Father Jacob. But, uh, Johnny, in conversations that I've had with you one-on-one, you've been able to speak truth in a way that, uh, not many, not even to compare you to other people. You just speak truth into my life, and I'm just so appreciative. Um, and so, um, I would like to think that I, I can embody the way that you speak truth, um, because you said things that I've had to sit on, and I was just like, whoa, just like mm-hmm. wrecked over time. Um, and so, just thank you for your boldness, um, and also just thank you for the podcast, because I know that a <laughs> lot of people are going to be um, just continually, yeah, like. Uh, like realizing this truth father jacob that like everyone's words have um a a powerful influence we just have to see the spheres in which we have influence Uh, someone told me that everything that we say is a prayer to something or someone and i love that because we can either have words that you know i actually read a a poem to my after school kids a couple days ago words are wonderful things um, I encourage you guys to look it up. A very simple poem, but, you know, they were doing, like, diss battles, you know, and I heard them from a distance, and I said, line up right here. And I said, I'm going to read you a poem. And it was basically words are wonderful things, but then it was like a juxtaposition of how words can destroy, mm. you know. And so although they were just having fun, just dissing each other, whether it was, you know, the crookedness of their teeth or the shoes that they were wearing, and, you know, it can be all fun and games, but you never know how someone can react to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I don't like being dissed, mm-hmm. you know, because um, my yeah. self-confidence is low. But <laughs> I know that that, pro- like, that probably wasn't having a good impact on the kids. Mm-hmm. And so read them that poem, and I think that it, it stuck because I haven't heard them having diss battles again. But, you know, it's like uh, the words that we do say do have power. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, especially, too, you know, you mentioned, like, diss battles, those kind of things. And how those things can kind of wear on us at times, even if we just joke about it. But also, one thing I think is good to be reminded of is, you know, if we do say whatever, an ill word towards someone, something like that, of course, we don't encourage that. But the fact that our blessings are so much more powerful, which is so cool, too, to realize, you know, we give those those words of blessing or prayer or encouragement that, um, yeah, they're actually way more powerful than just, you know, because like the good things of the Lord. Certainly more powerful than uh, the bad words. Sometimes we worry about, you know, I shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have said this. Okay, maybe you're working on overcoming those things, but how could we just like look to the positive? Like, okay, I'm going to encourage someone today, or like, what can I say to this person or that person? Who can I pray with? Those things are like way more powerful. So hmm. good to remember. I want to give Michael the final word. You've been you've been sitting chewing on a lot of this stuff here. What's uh, what's the one thing that stuck out to you this podcast, Michael? That our listeners can take away. Man, okay, put me on the spot. Thank you very much, Johnny. Um, but I think that all the listeners today can just kind of uh, get a read into Johnny's life in a sense where he's just willing to, you know, put it all on the line and without any, you know, safety net and just be willing to, you know, go where the Lord's calling him. And that's something that's super admirable. Um, something that, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I struggle with. I, I like to I like to have my safety nets. I like to have my plan Bs and Cs and Ds and Es and Fs. But you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you're just willing to really put it on the line. So I think that's something that I I really respect about you, Johnny. And I think uh, a lot of the listeners will be able to you know follow your lead with that. So yeah, thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast today. Uh, it's such a blessing for you to just come to Miami, come to Ox Vegas, baby. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been really fun having you here. Uh, I know that you have a really important fish ride to go to, so we don't want to hold you too long. But uh, yeah, thanks very much, dude, Michael, Johnny, Father Jacob. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Father Jacob. I'm not sure if you guys do this in the podcast, but can you close in prayer? Perfect. Come on. Oh yeah. Him and the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time together as brothers. May we continually be inspired uh, to just live wildly for you, Lord Jesus, uh, to not hold back, to not worry about safety nets, but you, Lord, are our safety net. And uh, may we just be bold in the way we uh, lead, but also humble, humble and to realize that we are just simple men, Lord. We are beggars before you, Lord God. And uh, the, But you, Lord, also that you want to pour out uh, your graces and mercy and love upon us. May we be men after the heart of St. Joseph, and we ask Mother Mary to continually guide and protect us. And we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Johnny, you get to say this with us on three sheepdogs out. One, two, three. Sheepdogs out! <laughs>